So you know where we've been, so I'm not going to rehash what we've covered the first two days to try to save us some time. You know where we've been. Uh, yesterday we looked at three ways our phone is changing us, and today I want to look at two more, and then I want to talk about a solution, okay? Two more ways. So let's just jump right into it. Well, how is our phone changing us? We are losing our literacy. And what I mean by that is, is that your generation has read more words than any generation. You're reading more words than any generation that's come before you. But the bad, that's awesome. But the bad part of that is, is that you're retaining less. You're retaining less of those words. And the reason that's happening is because the way in which you're reading many of those words is on your phone. And so the phone trains you to read in short, quick bursts. It doesn't train you to search for deeper meaning and context and to dwell and think about these things. Instead, it, the phone trains you to just skim, right? If you look online, it's something like 75% of people who read an article online only read the first paragraph, and 99% don't make it past the second paragraph. They quit reading. Um, when I was in, this was a problem for me. When I was in grade school, they would give us these actual, they give us actual books, like with paper and everything in them. They didn't like give everybody an iPad or whatever they do now. And um, and there would be like physical science test, first two chapters, test on Friday, read the first two chapters. But the trick was is you didn't have to read the first two chapters. All you had to do was look for the terms that were in bold. There would be bold terms, so it would be like chlorophyll. Okay, well, I need to know what that is. Uh, you know, photosynthesis, I need to know what that is. Like mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell. Like, and like everybody, like, like you would just, and you didn't have to actually read the context of what was written. It would be like a picture to try to make science look cool. There would be like a picture of a tree frog, and you would read that little italics and be like, the poison dart frog does this, but it really wasn't that cool. And then you would read the bold-faced terms, and you would be good to go for the test. And that's kind of how the phone is training us to read, is to just skim for the highlights. Give me the highlights. I don't need to know the depth. And the problem with that is, is that in an age, and this is what's so funny about the Internet, is all these journalists thought that they were going to, like, their career was really going to take off because of the Internet. And it did for a while. Um, because, like, oh, it's, it's new print media. Like, everyone's going to be reading on the Internet. And now, all of a sudden, everyone, wanna, everyone wants to watch videos and look at pictures, and no one really cares about words anymore. And all those journalists are, like, going to have to learn to code or something. So, um, and that means something politically. And I don't know if it is, that infuriates the conservatives or the liberals. But either way, I'm just happy to infuriate you, whoever that is who gets that. But um, anyway, so... The point is, what about us, guys? We're Christians. Our whole life is based on a book. Oh, no. The worst possible thing to be based on now. No one reads books. It's not even like a Kindle edition. It's got, like, special paper, and it's thick, and without blaspheming, I can pretty much say that parts of it are boring to read. Like, for instance, and some people will be like, how could you say the Bible is boring to read? And those people have never read the first chapter of Numbers. So, um, the, uh, now actually, I have heard a good sermon on the first chapter of Numbers, but only one, and it was by Ligon Duncan, so, and he's like one of the greatest preachers of all time, so there you go. But some of it is very dense, and, and not only that, 
but because of the way in which we're letting our phone train the way in which we read, <laughs> we're getting worse at reading the Bible, and we're doing this thing called eisegesis, where we take one part of the Scripture, and we rob it of its context, and we just say, okay, I'm just going to apply that capriciously or willy-nilly. Let me explain how that might work, okay? And this is going to be a fantastical scenario that you could in no way happen, imagine happening in real life. But let's, But if you would, bear with me in this obviously hypothetical and not real scenario at all, is that let's imagine that, like, there's a politician, a man or a woman, that your parents, like, really like, all right, and they, like, support this man or this woman, and you're like, hey, that man or, or that woman, they did or said some things that are clearly wrong or whatever, and your parents might respond, well, judge not lest ye be judged, um, now, that's from the Bible, right? Now, I know this is a scenario that you can't possibly imagine, but just, again, bear with me. Um, that's called eisegesis. That's taking one part of Scripture and kind of just using it however we want to use it, right? We're not using it in context. We're not really even applying it in the way that it's designed to be applied. We're just kind of, we've just skimmed and we found something that we like, right? And we're like, okay, well, we're just going to throw it out there. That is not how I read the Bible, in fact, God is very specific to us that that's not how we read the Bible. In fact, he says this. This is the most important verse in the Old Testament, okay? If you were to ask a Jewish, an Orthodox Jew, what's the most important verse in the Old Testament, they would say, there's no such thing as the Old Testament, but if you want to know about my Bible, um, this is the most important verse. It's Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. It's called the Shema, because that's the first Hebrew word in this verse. And actually, there's some really special stuff about that that you can learn if you want to go to seminary someday. Anyway, this is how it goes. And some of this is going to sound eerily familiar to what we talked about yesterday. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Look, there's a lot of things to unpack there in that passage, and we're not going to preach the whole thing. But at the very base level, I think that we can say that God is trying to tell his people, my word is important, and you need to pay attention to it, and you need to soak your lives in it, and it needs to be around you all the time, and it needs to be a part of your discussion, and you need to talk about it all the time, and it, it is centered to your life. And it's not something that you just skim so that you can just lob a verse at someone whenever you don't like what they have to say. The New Testament echoes this sentiment. Paul in 2 Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Guys, because we are always on our phones, and that's how we read a lot of the words that we read, we are becoming worse at reading the very words of life that we claim are the most important words. We're becoming worse at it. We're not getting better at reading the Bible. We're getting worse because we're actually training ourselves to skim for highlights instead of soaking ourselves in Scripture. So we're losing our literacy. You know what's fun about that politician illustration? Is that some of you think you know who I'm talking about, and no one, and you know what? You don't know who I'm talking about. So some of you are mad, and you don't. I'm, we could be on the same side. Who knows? Um, but uh, that's really fun. All right. The second thing is that we are getting lonelier. This is the fifth one. We did five ways in which our phones are changing us. There's more of that. 
but we're just doing five, is that we are getting lonelier. All right, your phone is making you lonely. And this is the lie that technology companies sell us that is, it's a complete lie, okay? Look, I, uh, we don't have regular TV in my house. And I'm not bragging about that. It's just a way for me to save about $1,000 a year. So um, uh, I'm not rich is what I'm trying to say at all. So one way in which I do that. So my kids don't see commercials, Okay, because we only have Netflix, which keeps going up, but still is a steal at like, you know, whatever it is a month. So um, we only have Netflix. So my kids have never seen commercials. So we're here this week, right? And we just have a TV in there, and it has, it's regular TV, like the kind of TV. And so my kids, for the first time, are being marketed to, all right? And I see it working, by the way. Like, I see my child is watching the cartoon, but when the commercials come on, he's just, like, looking at that, like, the kid in the Chuck E. Cheese ad, and he's like, thinks that kid is so cool or whatever. That kid is never at Chuck E. Cheese, by the way. But, um, like, and he just wants to go to Chuck E. Cheese. And my sons use the phrase, Dad, aren't Dodge Rams awesome trucks? <laughs> he did not know what a Dodge Ram was before he came to Laguna Beach Christian Retreat Center, okay? So marketing works is what I guess what I'm trying to say. I guess the point is, is that one of the commercials that we saw was for this app, this new Lego app, where you can, like, build your own Lego man, and you can connect with your friends online. And I just thought to myself, how dumb is that? Like, do you know how you connect with your friends in Legos? Like, you just invite them over and play Legos. Like, and you fight over them, and you, I really need the red two-by-four. And you're like, no, no, it's really important that I have it, you know. Like, and you, you learn to, like, that's, that's real connection. That's face-to-face uh, communication. That's unmediated communication. That's how real relationships are made, right? You don't need an app to connect over Legos. And that's the lie that technology sells you, is that technology is connecting you to other people, when in truth, Technology is designed to divide you from other people. It is the exact reason that it exists. I'll prove it to you. It used to be when you were, uh, not very long ago, that you could go, in order to hear live music, you would have to walk or get on a, get in a horse and buggy and go to the town symphony when it was in town and listen to music. And everybody came. It was like going to the movies or going to a concert. In fact, that's what it was, is going to a concert. And that's and typically it was this. It was not typically like 21 pilots. It was these guys. And, like, and you would hear music. And just think about that for a second. Like there's music all the time for you. Like all the time. There's music before the selective and after the selective and before worship and after worship. And you've got your Bluetooth speakers and you've got your AirPods and you've got everything and you're listening to your music all the time. But for these people, not too long ago, the only time that you could hear music is if you made it yourself or if you all went together to the symphony to listen to it. And then we learned how to record music. And I don't know if you've seen Downton Abbey, but they have one of these, okay? And, um, and you, still, you could play the music but everyone had to come out of their room and get together around the radio or around the phonograph, and you could listen to, you know, the hits of the, you know, eight, 1910s or whenever this thing was invented. So um, I should have looked up when Edison lived. My bad. So anyway, and then we, those became more sophisticated. And the only reason I have this picture in here is because my dad had this exact stereo, and he would never let me touch it. And can I tell you that when he wasn't around, I did touch it. And those knobs were, like, so cool to turn. They're, like, heavy knobs. Like, it, like anyway, the Pioneer stereo. And then we got, then we found out how to take it with us, all right? 
Now, this is the 80s, and this is what it was like to be cool in the 80s. And I'm not judging your generation, but you guys dab, and we had this, and I kind of like this. I'm just going to be honest. So you can keep your dabbing. Um, but, like, this is the before Bluetooth speaker. This is what we had. It's called a boom box, all right? Look how fun this guy. This guy's having so much fun. Like, he's living his best life. You put That could be connected to the radio, um, which is a thing where you could, like, anyway, it plays music. Don't worry about it. And then... Um, or you could put a tape in there, and if you don't know what a tape is, congratulations, it was the worst kind of music. So, um, and then we got these. Then we got, this was like crazy. This is my sister's generation, Walkman. Like, you could put your tape in there, only one tape from one artist, and you couldn't even select tracks. You had to like rewind and fast forward, and sometimes you had to like rewind too far and have to end of the song you didn't like to hear the song that you really wanted to hear again or whatever. It's a real pain. And then when I got in high school, these things came out, and these were so sick. These are awesome uh, CD players. I had a really janky one. I didn't get the name brand one because, again, we don't come from money. So um, I had one where I had to, like, angle it just so perfectly when we were on the bus, like, or it would skip. And, again, you can only listen to one artist, one album. An album is like when an artist puts out a group of songs. Anyway, don't worry about that. You'll figure that out later. So, or maybe you won't because we don't even do that anymore. Or they release albums, but it's really just anyway. And you had to listen to them in order. But then you could select songs. And then we got this thing, and we could put all kinds of music on here. And that's another bad Photoshop, by the way, because uh, that's Adele on that first-generation iPad. Uh, I mean, uh, first-generation iPod. And I think Adele was, like, 13 years old when that iPod came out. So another bad Photoshop. But um, anyway, and then we got these, you know, and they're like, this is what – Apparently, if you have these, you're rich. Um, is that like the meme? Is like you're really, or is that over now? It's now everyone can have them. Is that's over? Okay, good. Because I have them, and so, and I'm not rich, so I'm glad that that's over. Um, but I want you to notice something. I want you to know something. Did you notice that as we have advanced technologically, that the number of people who are listening to the music keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller? And I know Apple wants to convince you that you can take one of your AirPods and put it in some guy's ear and you guys will dance romantically through the snowy streets. But I've never seen it happen, and I have a sneaking suspicion that it never has. But um, one person is listening to this music. It used to be everyone in the town was listening to it, and now one person is listening. It was a shared experience, and now it's an individual experience, and that's what technology offers. They will take shared experiences and make them individual experiences. In other words, they're making you lonely. There is a big difference between watching a movie in a movie theater and watching a movie on your phone in your bed, all right? There's an ex the movie isn't changed. It's the same movie, but your experience is different. When I went to go see The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, the movie, when that, do you all remember that movie when it came out, the first Carl's Narnia movie? My, we went with a big group, and I have a really funny friend named Doug, and Doug was behind me. And Doug likes to do things like this. Um, but anytime that Lucy and Mr. Tumnus were on screen, you know, Lucy meets Mr. Tumnus the first time she goes to Narnia. Anytime that Lucy or Mr. Tumnus were on screen, he would just lean over into my ear and he would go, they're going to make out. <laughs> and then every other time he'd be like, make out, like that. Now listen, that ruined the movie for me, okay? But it also, in many ways, enhanced the movie for me. It was amazing, all right? And that's because technology allows us to take a shared experience and make it an individual experience. But what that does is it makes us lonelier. It makes us lonelier. And it's gotten to the point now where with your generation, you guys, 
even when you're, you can be alone in public just by putting up your little shield, your phone shield. You can be alone in public, okay? And then when you're really alone, you're never really alone because you've always got your friends online or whatever that you're dealing with. So you're, you're never really, you're never, you're never experiencing the whole of either experience. You're never really with everyone, totally present there, and you're never really by yourself. And it's making you lonelier and lonelier, and you're sleeping less. You're sleeping less and you're sleeping less well, less deeply than you would be. Again, I'm not going to bore you with the graphs, but your generation is getting the worst amount of sleep of any generation that's ever existed. Okay, And this is happening to everyone. The people who live now, when I say your generation, I just don't mean the people that are your age. But I mean like the people who live in this time. We're sleeping because we're letting our phones put us to bed. We're staying up later watching one more episode of, Netflix, of The Office on Netflix before it goes away. And... Um, it is going away, so because people need to make money, and um, you know, you're watching. So you're staying up later, and then when you do go to bed, your REM cycles are shorter. You're getting less and less REM sleep than you would be getting, right? And you're waking up earlier. You're not. So you're you're sleeping a, a small amount of time, and when you're sleeping, that sleep is not as deep as it should be. And guess what, guys? Guess what is one of the most Common reasons for people to suffer physically, emotionally, and mentally, sleep deprivation. It is. It, sleep deprivation is really damaging to people. It, it is. We need rest. In fact, the Bible is like super clear on that. Um, what is, what is, this is Exodus 33. I had to write a really long paper about this passage in seminary. Um, longest paper I've ever written, 41-page paper. And um, they, uh, yeah, go to seminary. <laughs> Fun times. So, uh <laughs> the uh, and he said, "This is um, this is God talking to Moses." Uh, and then God says, "My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest." Do you notice what God promises His people right here? He promises them to give them the very thing that we're robbing of ourselves with our phones. We're lonelier, right? We're lonelier, and God says, "I will be with you. You will have my presence." We're not sleeping, and God says, I will give you rest. In fact, God is big on rest. Remember the word that the Moses, this is Joshua, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm not here to give you something to do. I'm here to alleviate your burden. That's Matthew eleven twenty-eight. all right? Come to me. He wants to give you rest. He wants to be with you. But we're robbing ourselves of these things. Hold on. I want to go back for a second and say one more thing. And this is probably the most important. We're, what I'm trying to say is, with this device, we're harming ourselves. And look, I'm doing it too. Okay? So don't think I'm just coming down on you. But, okay. The next thing I'm going to say is not a religious thing, although it is. Everything is religious. Everything is spiritual. Everything is tied to God. But this is not even debatable, okay? There, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are the people who understand this and the people who deny it. And that second group are fools, okay? So don't be a fool and pay attention to this. If you look at 12 to 24-year-olds, okay, over a period of time, like with time over here, it's, uh, there's a lot of graphs you can look at. But one of them is like have described themselves as dealing with anxiety or depression. And it kind of goes like this over time. It goes way up like this. And then um, I'm doing it backwards for y'all so that it looks right for y'all. But um, And then you say like 12 to 24-year-olds who um, have been prescribed an antidepressant or anti-anxiety medicine, and it goes up almost the exact same curve, just like that. 
And it's like 12 to 24-year-olds who have had suicidal thoughts. Zach St. Carol says 12 to 24-year-olds who have taken their own life. And, like, it goes up. Not quite, as, not quite as many of them, obviously, as the others, but still follows the same curve. And then there's this other graph that's also kind of fun, and I say fun in the most sarcastic way possible. It says social media use, and it follows the exact same chart. Do you think that's a coincidence? It is not. Spoiler alert. The more that you are on your phone, the more sad and depressed you will be. Now, I'm not saying that if, you're on your, that if you have depression, it's because you're on your phone. Don't hear me say that. What I am saying is this, is that it is uncategorically and scientifically proven that you are more depressed when you're on your phone and when you use your phone than you would be if you didn't use it. All right? So however, whatever level of depression or anxiety you have, those things increase as your phone use increases. And that is not debatable. That is 100% proven, okay? That, that is, that's not debatable. And so what I'm trying to get you to see is this, is that we are lonelier, sorry, we are lonelier than we would be because we are constantly on our phones, okay? So these are the problems. And again, if someone wants to argue about that, we can argue about it later. But again, it's, you won't be arguing with me. You'll be arguing with, like, pretty much every research that's been done on the topic. So whatever. Um, but... Here are the problems. We're addicted to distraction. We're ignoring our flesh and blood. We are craving immediate approval. We are losing our literacy, and we are getting lonely. Okay, that is, those are five of the many ways in which our phones are changing us, all right, and are harming us, or how we're harming ourselves with the overuse and abuse of our phones. So what are we going to do about it? And this is where I have to pause because I'm about to give you a list. I'm about to give you a list of things that you can do to take your phone and put it at the altar of Jesus Christ and say, this is a creative thing, and you've given it to me, Lord, and I want to use it to your glory. But I'm going to give you a list of tips and tricks or hacks or whatever you want to call them. And some people are going to take that list, and they're going to be like, I'm going to do all of those things. And they're going to do them all, right? And then they're going to look down their nose at other people and be like, I'm better than you because I do these things. And you are what we call a Pharisee, okay? And Jesus had his harshest words for you, and I know you so well because I am you, all right? That is not what we're doing here. But any time that you give anyone a list of rules or things that they can try to do, there's always someone who wants to take it and make it their righteousness. And I want you to hear me. Your righteousness is filthy rags to God. And I don't care how good you are. If you're a youth group all-star, you need Jesus to die because you are so broken inside. And I need Jesus to die for me because I'm so broken inside. And no amount, whether and if I am in Christ, whether I use my phone well or whether I use it poorly, at all times, I'm doing that in Christ. And my righteousness is in Him and in Him alone. If RYM is big on one thing, it's in justification by faith alone. So when I give you these rules, please don't mistake them for how you're justified. Are we clear on that? Excellent. I had to do it. you got to do it. You know, it's important that we preach the gospel here and not some kind of self-help, which is a bunch of garbage anyway. All right, moving on. How do we fix things? All right. This is the most basic level. You're not even trying if you don't do these three things, okay? You can't say that you really tried unless you try these three things first. The first one is this. We've already established that when my phone buzzes, I feel an urgent need to answer it. So what I want to do is I want to limit the number of times that it buzzes. And the way to do that is to turn off all non-essential notifications. And this is easy to do. This is 
very baby level stuff. But we're, we're just going to determine when my phone can talk to me and when it can't. We're going to set a boundary. Boundaries are important in relationships. And we have a relationship with our phone. And we're going to let it come so far and not any further. And so my phone, as an example, my phone only goes off or, you know, only buzzes um, when, when three things happen. Um, when I receive a phone call, when I receive a text message, and when Mississippi State loses in something or wins. Most of the time it's lose, let's just be honest. But um, those are the only time that it happens. Um, listen, I am ride or die for State, so whatever. You can I, I, Look, we're terrible, but I will always be for them. And your team is better, but that's fine. You're morally inferior. So, um, no, I'm just, that's a joke, obviously. Um, but that's what we have to tell ourselves when we lose all the time. Um, so the point is, is that I'm limiting the number of times that my phone can talk to me. Now, some people have pointed out that I have an Apple Watch. They think they're trying to get me. They're like, oh, but you have an Apple Watch. I see you're over here talking about how bad technology is, and you have an Apple Watch. Well, let me explain that to you really quickly because that's a funny story, is that I did all the preparation for this in November of last year because I did a Sunday school class for our whole church where I talked about all this stuff, right? And, um, and so I was doing all this preparation in November. I was trying to, like, eliminate technology in my life. And then my sweet, precious wife, a gift of God to me, gave me an Apple Watch for Christmas. So I wasn't about to be like, honey, I'm taking this back because we don't like technology in our family anymore. No, instead, I just wear it. And the truth of the matter is, is I don't even know how to use it. I didn't even know that it counted my steps until two weeks ago. I've had it since Christmas. I want you to think about that. We were in Colorado, and I was like, man, this hike is about to kill me. And someone was like, you can check your heart rate on your Apple Watch. And I was like, you can. And I looked at it, and I was like, my, my watch was like, this is what my watch was like. My watch was like, hey, are you okay? You've done 600% of your exercise goal, and it's 11 a.m. Are you in the most dangerous game now? Are you being hunted for sport? Like, do I need to call the authorities? So my watch does buzz whenever I close a ring, whenever I've been standing or walking or whatever. So, But my watch only buzzes when my phone buzzes. It's connected to my phone. And so I... Look, I'm just going to turn off anything. No Snapchat, no Instagram. I'm not on those things, but if I was, like, I don't need to know when it's time to upgrade my mortar or when my chest is ready to open or whatever. Like, I don't need to know, like, I don't need to know any of that stuff. Like, you, here's the thing. We're just going to do that on our time. You can still do those things, but you're going to do it on your time. You're not going to let it tell you, hey, get over here and pay attention to me. All right? You're going to limit, okay? You're going to delete any phone any apps on your phone that you don't use regularly, there's no point in having them, all right? It's cluttering up your life, and it's a temptation to do something, waste time that, t that could be used to make the best use of the time, as we're commanded to do in Scripture, in Ephesians. So, um, and then we're going to keep our phone out of our bedroom. And again, this is the most basic level. Get your phone out of your bedroom. Get your phone out of your bedroom. Don't even take it in there, okay? Your bedroom is a sacred place where you receive rest, which is an important part of living for God. God made you to have rest. You need to have rest. Charge your phone at night. Put it to bed at night. It's 930. Good night, phone. I will see you later, okay? And put it to bed. I don't know when you go to bed. And then in the morning when you wake up, wake up, take a shower, brush your teeth, maybe even read your Bible. If you want to do that at night, you can do it at night too. Some people are the people who do it at night. That's fine. Do that, and then go and wake your phone up in the kitchen and say, good morning, phone. You don't have to say that because it's corny and dumb. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, wake your phone up in the morning. But put your phone to bed 
But go buy an alarm clock. It's really cheap. It's the cheapest app you can buy, okay? It's so cheap. They have them. We brought alarm clocks with us. Like, we have portable ones that, like, run for, like, eight years on battery. But, like, like just, just buy an alarm clock. Wake yourself up. You will, guys, you don't know me, so I don't know why you would ever trust me, but um, I'm asking you to trust me now. Would you just try this? And watch what happens when you get eight hours of sleep a night. Watch how much better your life is. Quit staying up watching Netflix and waking up, staying up till midnight or, or, or 1 a.m. and then waking up at 6 and going to school and then wondering why you're so sad and tired all the time. That's why. And if you will just try this, I guarantee that some of you will come back next year if they have me back next year. Just kidding. I'm on the board. They have to have me back. But uh, they, uh, but you'll come back next year, and some of you will thank me. Some of you will thank me for this. This is the basic level. We cannot say this is easy to do. Okay, we're going to get harder than that. But this is easy to do. This is like, hey, this is couch to 5K. Any of y'all do that, couch to 5K? It's an it's a app that you can do if you don't run. Or they'll get you running a 5K. And you start out, and it's really basic and simple, and that's what this is. But let's move on. We're going to use self-restricting apps to limit our use. So we want to restrict the amount of time that we can spend on our phone. This is called self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. When we exercise it, the Lord blesses it. We need to have apps like Moment or Bark or Life360 or whatever it is that restrict and monitor how much we use our device. If we're using it too much, we need help to wean ourselves off of it. And so we're not going to be so big as to think that we can do it on our own. We're going to check the phone on our schedule. Do you know that really successful businessmen, to a man, they don't check their email before 1 o'clock? Like, just, just read some interviews with some CEOs some really powerful movers and shakers in this world, and they will tell you that they do not check it until 1 o'clock, until after lunch. you know why they do that? It's because they know what they need to get done in the morning. And so when they wake up and get to the office, they get done what they need to get done. And if they check their email in the morning, they're going to be answering everybody else's, solving everybody else's problems and answering everybody else's questions. And then after lunch, they open up their email, and they start doing that, and they get things done. All right, These are highly motivated, highly active, highly efficient, highly effective people. But what do they do? They don't check their email in the morning. They check their email on their schedule. We want to check our phone on our schedule. We want to invite criticism. We want to ask people, am I on my phone too much? And if they say yes, we want to listen to that and not be like, well, you're dumb. You know, like, we want to listen. We want accountability. Look, you need, Christianity is not a solo game. It is a squad, squad game, okay? Like, it's a team sport. Like, we're not made to just do it on your own. You need someone to help you do this. You need someone You need someone to help you in every aspect of the Christian life. That's why God gave us the church. Look, I'll give you an example from my own phone. I have the worst Internet browser in the, maybe in the history of Internet browsers. It's like Netscape and then this. Um, like, it's called Covenant Eyes. It's a terrible browser. I, it does, I can't bookmark things, or I haven't figured out how to. And, like, sometimes it saves things in favorites that I visit one time, and then other times, like, there's something I see, check every day, and it doesn't register. I have to, like, actually type it in every time. And I cannot figure out for the life of me. Like, it, it stinks. And I don't use Safari. It's deleted off my phone. I only use Covenant Eyes. Now, why do I do that? Okay, this is not an advertisement for Covenant Eyes. I will not get any money from them. So just know that. Why do I do that? It's because, guess what? I'm tempted sometimes to look at things I shouldn't look at. 
You know what I need? Accountability. And so Covenant Eyes does this. Every website that I visit, my wife gets an email that has a list of all those things. All right? If you think that you're beyond that or that you don't need accountability like that, can I tell you something? You need to meet Jesus Christ. You have not understood your own sin, and you need to understand that sin, that you have to understand the depths of your brokenness and that you, God has given other people in your life to help walk alongside you as a help. We need accountability with our phones. We need someone, whether it's our parents or our siblings or a youth minister or someone to hold us accountable and say, hey, you're using this too much or you're using this in a wrong way. I want to help you use it in a right way. Okay. Here we go. Now we're talking about like, now we're getting real. If there's one thing that the Bible definitely advocates for, it's fasting. Fasting and prayer are an essential part of the Christian life. And most of us barely pray. And then I almost never fast. And then we wonder why we're struggling spiritually. Not that those two things are directly connected, but sometimes that's, you know, that's an issue is that we're not really following the instructions. And God calls us to fast from food, which is really tough to fast from because we basically center all of our lives around it. But I want to suggest to you that you can fast from your screens. And I want to, before, I'm going to talk about this, and some of you are going to be like, I can never do that. And I want you to look me in the eye right now, every one of you. This is, pers- I know I have dad bod, but this is personal trainer Kirk coming out and saying this. You can absolutely do what I'm about to talk about. Every one of you can. I, I'm 1,000% convinced that you can do it. And you might not be able to do it perfectly all the time, but you can definitely do this. Fast from your screens. How will we do that? One hour a day, we turn our phone off. A waking hour a day, we turn our phone off. So while we're awake, one hour, whether that's an hour in the morning, we just don't even check it in the morning, or whether that's at night, or whether it's in the middle of the day, it doesn't matter to me, but we turn our phone off, we, we turn it off, and we don't check it for an hour. And we devote that time to being present in whatever it is that you want to do, whether it's your devotion or your work or whatever, but we turn our phone off for an hour a day. We turn our phone off for one day a week. All right, And we can call this a work day, so it can be just like eight hours if you want to do that. Some of you, maybe you literally cannot for whatever reason. Um, like maybe you're a doctor and you're on call. Well, maybe don't do that then, okay? Maybe wait until you're off call to try this. But um, one day a week, just turn it off. Turn off your phone. Some people in here are going to be like, I can't do that. I'm a mom or I'm a this or I'm a that. And I will say to them, Somehow, we were moms before phones, so I question that. Um, the, uh, somehow, we made it thousands of years of human history without having phones, so I'm pretty sure we can go one day a week. Um, one day a week, we're going to turn it off, and then it's only going to get harder from here, boys and girls. One week a year, one week a year, we turn our phone off, and we say, I'm not going to use it. Okay, now... The, all this is already built into my life. So it's, when I read this, I was like, ooh, that's going to be tough. And then I realized that I was already doing it. <laughs> because we go on a mission trip one week a year, and we can't use our phones for that week. So there we go. I'm off my phone for a week a year. And I already get off my phone on my day off, which is Friday. If you're a pastor in here and you're wondering, Friday's a great day to fast from your phone because almost no one has spiritual problems on Friday. It's typically on Monday that they have spiritual problems. On Friday, somehow they're more concerned about the lake or something. I don't know. So um, the uh, it's crazy how that happens. And then the hour a day is really like you can do that. That's not even hard actually. Like you could accidentally do that. So, um, but you need to actively do it. Now, look, why do we do this? Why why am I suggesting that you do this? Other than the fact that it's 
a principle that's clearly mandated in Scripture, the authoritative Word of God. Why else? In case you need some other reason. Let me tell you something. When I was in college, I started to tithe. All right, that's when you give 10% of your money to the church. You just give it away. And I started to do it. I was growing spiritually, and I was convicted that I didn't do it. And so I read a book about tithing, um, or cursorily, it's a cursory reference to tithing, and I was like, I need to tithe. Do you know what happened when I started tithing? I kid you not, I got richer. I had more money than I've ever had in college is when I was tithing. Now, was that some kind of magical thing or like the, the, uh, like a Holy Spirit interest rate or something? It was not. It's actually really practical, but this is often how God works, all right, is that what happened was is when I started to give away 10% of my money, I started looking real hard at the other 90%, looking real hard at it. And I was, I was managing it very carefully. And when I managed that 90% carefully, all of a sudden, I had more of it. So it's a really practical thing that God does. He does it with our time, too. If you give away the Sabbath to him, you start to manage those other six days a lot better. Like, it's just a principle that he uses. If you will give away some of your phone time, all right, if you'll give away some of it, guess what happens is you will start to use your phone more efficiently and effectively and enjoyably. All those words start with E as well, so congratulations. That's why I pay me the big bucks. But you will, you will, you will, you will use things better. There's a movie that I cannot recommend because it has a bunch of objectionable content in it. Um, and one of the rules of the movie is you're not allowed to talk about it. So I'll let you figure out what that is. But, um, but in this movie, there's a character named Tyler. And Tyler says, in the end, the things you own end up owning you. In the end, the things you owned end up owning you. And if we want to own our phones, one way in which we can prove our ownership over it is by giving it away. Giving away our time on our phone. We, can ma- we, we show that we are the masters when we can give it away. You know, if you love something, set it free. If it comes back, it was meant to be. That's really cheesy, but it also is true in some ways. Okay, so here we go. Um, Give over full access of your phone. I've already talked about covenant eyes. You need something like that in your life. Someone needs to be able to see everything that you've seen on your phone. Someone who is more mature than you needs to be able to see everything that you've seen on your phone. For many of you, that's your parents. Quit hiding stuff from your parents. Your parents already have experienced so much of, the, of life, and they can help you, all right? And I know not everyone in here has good parents, okay? Um, my children don't have good parents, so I, I know what that's like, but... Um, that's not, I made that a joke. You need somebody in your life who is a Christian who can speak wisdom into your life. Every one of us needs this, okay? Everyone. Don't try to do this by yourself, please. You've just become a Pharisee or you've become defeated, all right? But you need that. And the fact that you're hiding so much on your phone is hurting you. Um, create more than you consume. When I was in college, I took a stark assessment of myself and I said, Kurt, you are never going to get a wife. And uh, I did. I said, you are not athletic. You are not attractive. You're not smart. You're not going to be a doctor or a lawyer, so you're not going to be rich. Like, what are you going to do to get some girl to fall in love with you? And I was like, I need to do something. Girls like guitar. I'm going to learn to play guitar. And so that summer, I was working at a bank, hating my job, um, but also making a lot of money um, because it turns out, they're really close to the money at the bank, so it's easy. To, <laughs> I didn't steal any money at the bank, but you know, um, they uh, <laughs> they check for that. But and at night, I bought a hundred and fifty dollar guitar, and I just started breaking chords. Like you know, I just like, and I was a hack, a 
for years, okay? People told me, like, oh, you're getting so much better, but that just means I was really bad to begin with, you know? Like, I was, but I just, I just went at it. And when I was a senior in college, I was leading worship for RUF, and a girl came up to me afterwards, and uh, she was like, hey, I've never even heard some of these songs. Do you have, like, recorded copy of those songs? And I was like, yeah, I can make you uh, a copy of some of those songs. And I married that girl. Um, so don't say all. Oh, it worked, guys. <laughs> I tricked her. Um, worst decision she's ever made. Um, she'd tell you. Uh, she fell for it, hook, line, and sinker, baby. I mean, I just, just, so what I'm telling you is, gentlemen, get, get to work. You got $150. Go get you a guitar. Make it happen. But um, the, the, uh, what I'm telling you is this. That's a joke. But in reality, you're created to, you, you've been created to create. You're made in God's image. And you're made to create. And you tap into a core part of your being when you create. And it might not be music for you. Maybe it's drawing or sculpting or painting or joke writing or I don't know, whatever you want to do. Like you, you are made to make things. You're made to do it. You're made to create things. You're, the essence of who you are is you are made in God's image. And what does God do? God creates. And so you should do what God does. You should create. Listen, this thing right here, okay, this thing is a, is a tool for consumption. It's not particularly a tool for creation, all right? Put this thing down and create something, even if it's bad. I can't tell you how awful I was at guitar when I started. Awful. It was embarrassing, okay? Um, that's okay because you were made to create. Spend some time in the car talking to the people in the car with you not just listening to music or being on your phones. You're trapped with these people in this device for however long. Take some time to learn about them, all right? Guess what? Your parents had boyfriends and girlfriends before they met your mom or your dad. That's what happened. Like, they, like, played sports and, like, tried to be cool. And it looked different from the way that you guys try to be cool. It looked, actually, it looked the same. It looked just as dumb. They look just as dumb as you look when you try to be cool. Like, maybe talk to them. They have some wisdom, all right? I know it seems weird, right? But they have some wisdom. And talk to your younger siblings who you have to drive around. They already look up to you. They know that you're annoyed by them, but they still look up to you. And they have learn about them. Take some time to have some real interaction with some people when you're in the car. Okay. This is where I tell you about the, where I stole all this information, which is, I didn't steal it because I'm telling you openly, Tony Reiki's book, it's available back there. Ken has it. It's called 12 Ways Your Phone's Changing You. You should definitely buy it. You can absolutely read it. It's not hard to read. You can read it on the ride home. Buy it from Ken. They sold out of it in Colorado, and I'm going to take most of the credit for that. So, um, you're welcome, Tony Reiki. There's another book. This book gets really boring at the end, but the first, like, 60% of this book is so good. The first, you will not be able to put this book down, the first 60%. Like, um, it's Irresistible by Adam Alter. It's really good. Ken has it back there, and you can buy it. And then if you're a parent and you really want to take this seriously, read this book. This guy, his philosophy is almost Amish when it comes to technology. He says that jokingly, but it's true. But all of his kids can play, like, different instruments and are, like, and they all got full rides to college. So we should probably listen to what he has to say um, about 
what he does with technology. He doesn't totally get rid of it, but he jokes about being Amish. Okay, it is. Let me check the time. Um, it's 1130. Are we supposed to be done at 1130? Yeah, we are. Okay, well, I was going to leave time for questions, but I can't, and I apologize for that. Listen, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to walk away from this and say, maybe I can try this. But I want you to hear me say this, and it's very important. Whether you do it well or not well, because I don't always do it well. In fact, most of the time I do it not well. That Jesus Christ is your righteousness. And that our goal with these phones is not to throw them away and be like, everyone who uses those is of the devil. That's not what we're doing. Instead, we're going to take our phones and we're going to set them at the cross and say, Jesus Christ, this is your phone. So let this, because it really is. It's your phone and I have it. Let me use it in a way that honors you because you have died for me. And at the very least I could do is try to use this phone in a way that reflects that reality. Um, I'm going to pray for us. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, um, we're not going to do this well, but I pray through your Holy Spirit that you might help us, that we might try to live for you. We know that not even one good deed that's done in your name is forgotten, but it's celebrated forever in heaven. And so, Lord, I pray that you would establish the work of our hands and that you would bless our efforts in this, in this realm as it pertains to our phones. And I pray that you would uh, lift us up on this last day of RYM, that it would be an enjoyable day, a fun day, a memorable day, and that we would end it worshiping you um, as we look forward to the endless day. We pray all this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you, guys.